most of you know that in 2015, Steve and I have been transitioning. And as a part of that transition, I've been doing a lot of the things that Steve does or watching, following what he does and learning by example, learning through coaching. One of the things that we have been doing that I've done more of has been funerals. Funerals for people that you know and love. Funerals for people that you don't. But a familiar thing that I always, a feeling that I always have in doing a funeral or even in just listening and observing a funeral is this idea that I, I didn't know that about their story. I wish I had known that part of their life before they passed. I would have loved to have a conversation with them about that wonderful adventure. The Bible is 66 books, over 40 different authors, over 1,400 years. And it's all about one thing, the story of God's interaction, God's perfect redemption of his imperfect people. It is an amazing story. And sometimes I think, unfortunately, we take it for granted. This morning, as I welcomed you to worship, I read from Psalm chapter 66. If you're in Psalm 66, would you turn there? Or if you're not in Psalm 66, would you please turn there? Because I want to read these words, because we read verses 1 through 4, and talking about the great and glorious God, all the wonderful things which he has done. And we read all of those things throughout these pages, but sometimes I think we... In our minds, close the book and say, you know, that was a great story. God sure did amazing things back then. But we must remember what the psalmist invites us to in verse 5. Come and see what God has done. How awesome his works in man's behalf. You see, God worked then, but God also works now. And sometimes we can be remiss if we forget that your story is also a part of his story. That he has a purpose in you that he's still trying to work out even today. This is what I love about Celebrate Recovery. Unfortunately, most of us see our story Somewhat like Ian McIntosh. Uh, you probably know Ian McIntosh, but in case you don't, Ian McIntosh is a world-class skier. And uh, he was on top of a mountain in the Sicilia mountain range. He works for a company called, and I kid you not, this is the name of it, Teton Gravity Research. Which is not a company I ever want to work for. But while he's uh, doing this project, and what the project is, is you've seen these videos of these amazing skiers skiing down the slopes and just almost going down at straight 90 degrees. Well, Ian's the guy in the film doing that. Uh, Let me show you a bit of Ian's story. Oh, 
Unfortunately, this is all too familiar, especially to us church-going folk. And we've tumbled and tossed, we've stumbled, we've nearly died. And uh, we come to church on Sunday and someone says, how are you? And much like Ian, I'm okay, I'm okay. Because for some reason, much like Ian... We believe that it's our job, once we become a Christian, to brush off, to ignore where we've been, to to kind of put that behind us and just pretend like everything's perfect. Or even if things are just going horribly right now, that church is a place where you don't bring your baggage and your mess. You, You come to church to pretend like you have it all Together, And one of the things that we seek to do at Northside is to be a church where it's okay to not be okay. Now, that doesn't mean that you have an excuse for your sin. It doesn't mean that Northside wants to be a place where we revel in the grace of God to the point where we never talk about, deal with, or work on sin. As Paul said, may God forbid. But what we do want to be is a church where people can come. And understand that they can be honest about their story. And they can be honest about how God is still redeeming them today. Even if you're not okay, God is okay. And he still wants to work on you. Now, you say, uh, you've heard it said, that Celebrate Recovery is a place where you can work on your hurts, your habits, and what? Your hang-ups. We got the three H's down. But what exactly do we mean by saying that that's what we work on? See, some places, I don't know necessarily at Northside, but in some places, Celebrate Recovery or ministries like it have this stigma attached. That, that, that CR is a place where you go when you've really got Big problems, just huge weights. And the people going there, oh man, we should pray for them. They have serious problems. And I'm not discounting, there are some who go to CR who have serious problems. But I want to make it clear to you that Celebrate Recovery is a place for people with any problems. Not just the stuff that you would call big. I asked Elaine uh, to help me. And I ask her, could you come up with a list of some of the things that you have worked on and help people recover from and celebrate their recovery from? She made a list. Uh, I would like you to bring down the lights and, and we're going to show you a list of some of those things. I'd just like you to read over this list. I don't know which of those things on that list you could identify with, but I can guarantee you that almost everyone in here could identify with at least one. We've all got them. 
The question is not whether or not we got him. The question is, what are we going to do beyond acknowledging that we got him? Then the next step is the step of courage. We got to do something about it. Now, if you're here and uh, whether you're involved heavily with the CR ministry or whether you're thinking about it or whether you're not at all, I want to remind you of two simple truths. Number one is that Jesus loves you and he wants to heal you. Turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start about in verse 9, but I'm just going to select a few verses from the passage. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Scripture reads, Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Skipping down to verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 13. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, this is interesting to me because obviously the man knew he had a shriveled hand. And Jesus knew it. But what he asked him to do is to stretch himself, to do as much as he can. Obviously, he can't with whatever the condition is being shriveled. He can't extend it fully. But Jesus says very gently, I want you to do as much as you can. And then what does he do? So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick warning them not to tell them who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Now look at this in verse 18. Now your verse is probably offset a little bit. That means it's quoting from another passage in Scripture, from Isaiah chapter 42. And here's what Isaiah says. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. Now focus in on this, verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. What you need to understand, Matthew is saying, about the temperament and personality of Jesus is that he is absolutely gentle and patient You get these two beautiful pictures of a bruised reed, which is kind of like a plant stalk, and it's bent over almost to the point of breaking, but it's not yet broken. Or the smoldering wick, that tip of the end of the the wick there that's just glowing faintly, that orange, it's not completely put out, but it's, it's close. And this is how the Savior deals with the smoldering and the bruised. He doesn't break them. He doesn't snuff them out. He heals them. He breathes life back into them. This is the nature of the Jesus we serve. When we say that Jesus loves you, you need to understand that he loves you specifically. Jesus only healed people who couldn't heal themselves. He was gentle and compassionate to the broken and to the crushed. The second truth you need to know is that we love you. And I'm speaking for Northside here. 
We aspire to be a church that loves, listens to, ministers for, serves, uh, and reaches out to people who are hurting. We do not gather as a group of people who have it all figured out, who are continually saying, well, I'm okay. Jesus has made everything all right, and i got no problems. That's not the kind of people we want to be. We love you, and we're willing to walk with you in your mess, because that's what we believe church is about. The church is the called out. We are called to overcome together. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 30, this interesting verse as he's kind of transitioning from one idea to another. He says, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, And now hear that I still have, and then he goes on to humble yourselves, Philippians chapter 2. Be devoted to one another. Uh, Serve one another, just like Jesus did. We think of Paul as the Apostle Paul, but even Paul said, I have struggles, I have this thorn in the flesh. Paul would later say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he would remind the church at Corinth who they were. Uh, Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and start at verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, adulterers, male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But listen to verse 11 now. This is important. He says, and that is what some of you were. He reminds them of of the fact that they were not okay, that it took a savior to save them. It took a Messiah to bring them out of their mess. That is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Because God has done that in us, God can do that in you. And God will continue to do that for whom, whoever will come and see. So, Jesus loves you. We love you. My daughter Grace loves Doc McStuffins. And I don't know if you're familiar with Doc McStuffins. There's a little girl going around and the first thing she does is pretend to be a doctor. The first thing that she'll ask is tell me where it hurts. Now, this is a very interesting question because we've got to be that way in church. Tell me where it hurts so that we can then allow Jesus and to allow his bride, the church, to work. How will you ever know? How will you ever know that he's a healer unless you first have pain? How will you ever know that he's a comforter unless you admit your sadness? How will you ever know? That he forgives until you confess your sin. How will you ever know that he can make you whole unless you first admit you're broken? So I want to leave you as we end this lesson an invitation to come and see what God is doing. And I want to give you three specific things you can do. Level one, you can pray for CR. And I mean intentionally, specifically pray for the ministry that meets on Thursday nights to reach out and and listen to and serve and minister to those who are broken. 
those who are smoldering, those who are bruised. And I want you to pray for either your recovery, if you're involved in that, because that's okay to do, or pray for someone else's. Second, I want you to invite you to come this Thursday to the fourth anniversary celebration at Celebrate Recovery. They're going to have a movie, a meal, an abbreviated CR service so you can see what it's all about. So first is pray, second is come this Thursday, and third is help. Help by sharing your story, sharing how God has worked in your life, and work with them on that. Or just simply come and help someone else share their story. I think it was Elaine or maybe Randy was telling me they were having trouble just having people at the door to greet people coming from the community. We don't even have people enough people to do that. Now, surely, as I know, Northsiders, there are people here who can smile and hug and welcome and listen and pray. You say, I don't have a big story. Great. But you can still serve. You can still help. You can still listen. And the invitation is open to you. I'm not going to extend the normal invitation, but I am going to invite you to come and see what CR is all about. God has blessed our church family with a number of key ministries. We have uh, perhaps three uh, special Sundays in a year. As I look at the work of this church, we could have 23 special Sundays. We are blessed at this place with, uh, with several key ministries. One of my responsibilities here at Northside is to, is to serve as ministry leader for Celebrate Recovery. As we come to the table this morning, I want to remind us of the one overriding ministry at Northside, the one overriding ministry for the Church of Christ around the world. So let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21, and we're going to pick it up in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are all convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Compel is an intense verb. Later in these eight or ten verses, the word will be used to implore. There's a reason for this intensity. There's a reason for this urgency. Because when you think of it, Christianity is an outlandish proposition. We believe that one died for all. And that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him. Christ died for us all, and he was raised again. And we have a new reason to live. We're not supposed to live for ourselves anymore. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, 
we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I'm not exactly sure what Paul meant back in his day when he wrote these words, that from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. But as I think of the Celebrate Recovery ministry, that verse is critically important to us. Every time we meet somebody new, our task is to view them not from a worldly point of view, but from an eternal point of view. From a worldly point of view, you see, I don't have any hope. From a worldly point of view, the pain that she has suffered cannot be accounted for in this life. His habits are beyond recovery. There's no way that this person or that person can recover in this life. And you see, we simply do not believe that. Our God can help any problem that you have. Our God can heal the broken spirit. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. I love CR. It's been a big part of my life for the last four years. I love Know Your Bible. After worship this morning, Karen and I are going to give a brief report to the mission oversight team. I love to walk down the safari to the sun wing and see all the good that is happening. All this comes from God, who has reconciled us to himself, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And verse 21 will take us to the Lord's Supper this morning. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. Jehovah God, before you created the world... You knew that we would be broken. It was your eternal plan to reconcile man to yourself. And your son knew this plan before the world began. He agreed to the sacrifice that would cause him to be separated from you for a time. This morning as we break the bread... I pray that you will be with each of us 
that we can cleanse our minds of the worldly struggles that we have, that we can focus on the sacrifice of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.